0: Father, we praise your name. Our soul cries out, hallelujah, because of the work that Jesus has done on our behalf. God, thank you that you have freed us from the bondage of sin. God, you've given us eternal life through your Son. We are forever grateful. And Lord, as we turn now to a time, God, I pray that That you would use me humbly to preach your word. God, that we might be inspired to take your word, to take the gospel to a lost and dying world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Good morning. All right, good. We're awake. Okay, well, my name is Ryan. I know most of you, but if you don't know me, I am the associate pastor here and I have an opportunity to preach this Sunday, which I'm excited about. Um, Let me just get my notes together. There we go. Um, But I am excited for this morning. So Grant came to me, our senior pastor, probably in May and um, said, hey, you have a couple of opportunities. Now, I've never really done a sermon back to back. Um, A couple of opportunities. So, I prayed about it and I said, "Okay, well, let me pray about it some more. And, uh, and so, okay, I think, I'm, I think I'm good. He said, well, you can really preach on anything you uh, feel led to. And that's kind of an open invitation to uh, pretty much anything. And so um, I really prayed long and hard, and I really thought this, and I came back to him. I said, Grant, I'd really like um, to preach on the second half of our vision statement. Now, if you're not familiar uh, with our vision statement... It is uh, based on Colossians 1, 28 and 29. And this is how it reads. Him being Jesus, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Now picture with that how we doing, John? There we go. Perfect. Uh, Picture a live oak tree. You don't see the sophisticated root system below, but it's there. In fact, you know it's healthy because you can see the healthiness of this tree. And here at Fellowship, it truly is our desire that we strive to present everyone mature in Christ. We want to present you in a way that we teach where you can grow deep in your relationship with God by His Word and the community of believers around you. But we really want you to be the person God has called and saved you to be. But also, as you can see with this tree, it has these branches. Um, It has these limbs. It's beautiful. It provides shade and in season it multiplies itself. And that's also what we'd like you to do. We'd like to be a person who goes out and reaches out to other people. So simply put, we want to see christ followers growing deep in a relationship with god and reaching out with the gospel to a lost and dying world and we do a great job here growing deep we are about god's word it is truth our um speaker last week talked about just contending for the faith which is truth and we are about that if you uh have a child in our kids' ministry, we're about that. If you're in our student ministry, we're about that. If you're in our adult ministry, men, women, and seniors, we're about that. But we also want to be about reaching out with the gospel. And we want to do a good job with that. Now, now that we're fully staffed, if you don't know or you haven't been here for a while, but we've hired a new family life pastor, and we have a new student director, and even my role can be a little bit more focused on adult ministry. And so we can look at the whole gamut from hospitality. All the way to mission and outreach. And so I'm excited for that. And we have life groups, we have equipping classes, men's and women's and seniors ministry. But here's the thing: we really want to be a church that reaches out. I think somebody once said, we're not called to be spiritual shrubs. No, we want to be this. We want to be reaching out into the community because we have the words of hope that they need. So this morning, as you think about this vision this vision of growing deep and reaching out. Um, This Sunday, I'm going to be preaching out. uh, I'm going to be preaching, reaching out with the words of hope. And then next Sunday, which is also a family Sunday, I'll be preaching on reaching out with hearts to serve. So here we go. I want you to take a look at this picture. Reminds you probably of a wedding. Okay. So in our culture, weddings are a big deal. Okay. Well, how do you know something is a big deal? Well, Take a look where you spend your money, right? Where you spend a lot of money, probably a big deal. Well, what do you think the average cost is for a wedding? Now, I'm about to tell you, but when you hear this number, you're going to be like, Ryan, no way. Yes. In fact, people, if you're telling me that your weddings were a lot less, then people are spending a lot more. So I'm just telling you a little bit about our society. So the average wedding cost is a mere $26,000. $26,000, $26,000, okay? You may say, hey, I pulled it off for $2,600. Praise God. But $26,000. The average guest pays $700 to attend a wedding. It's $700 for travel, for hotel, flights, uh, for food, new clothes. you got to have the new clothes and a nice gift. $700, You may be thinking, there's no way I'm paying $700. Well, there's some folks maybe close by, family peer pressure, uh, convenient, you go to that wedding. But what about the wedding that you would be willing to pay $700 for? Well, I would say this. There's one component that makes for a great wedding. And it is a genuine, loving relationship. Would you be willing to pay $700 for a genuine loving relationship where the bride and groom are coming together to get married? And you want to experience that. You want to see that. And so my contention is that you would pay that for maybe a close family, a friend, somebody you know. Uh, You want to be there to celebrate and support them. um, But you also want to be a part of the action, right? Well, that is going to be our backdrop for today's. um, Oh, another thing. If you're a dad right now, I'm just going to bring you back into this conversation, Because you're thinking to yourself, $26,000. If you have a daughter under your roof, $26,000. And I have two daughters. So, come on dads, focus with me. Anyways, that's our backdrop. This is not about financial investments today to prepare for the future, but we will be talking about future and so in our passage today, we're going to be looking at um, the book, uh, a chapter in the book of Luke, Luke 14. So if you have your Bibles turn. you're welcome to turn to them. I have also the passage up on our slide here. There we go. Uh, so we're going to be looking at Luke 14, 15 through 24. And we're going to be talking about the parable of the great banquet. Okay, so let's read God's word together. The parable of the great banquet. We're going to pick back up and we're going to pick up in verse 15. And it says this, when one of those who reclined at the table with him, this is uh, one of the Pharisees who was at this at this um, banquet or at this dinner. When one of those uh, who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he being Jesus said, Jesus said to him, or actually this Pharisee said, blessed is everyone who will eat in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to the servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in. That my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. So, as we consider today's message, we're going to be looking at, as I said before, we're going to be looking at growing, uh, reaching out with words of hope. So, first, let me give you a little context. Back in Luke 14, this is um, this is a, a dinner party. Um, this is there there are no. Uh, this isn't where Jesus ate with the sinners and tax collectors. In fact, this is the exact opposite. By the ruler of the Pharisees, he was invited to come eat. And so he came and he was eating. And also there were lawyers. Now, they were there to plant a man who had an illness and to see what he would do because it was a Sabbath. Now, Jesus had already broken the traditions about a handful of times, breaking Sabbath tradition. So they were here to try to catch him again to see if they could discredit him. So they brought in a man with what's called dropsy. Dropsy is edema. And edema is, um, it is when fluid builds up in the body, specifically in tissues. And it really can wreak havoc on on your heart and also on your kidneys. So this guy was in a sad state of affairs. And so they bring him to Jesus. And as Jesus has done before, he heals him. And um, Jesus responds, what he's done before where he leaves those who are trying to catch him um, with where he leaves them silent. You can see you can read earlier on in um, in Luke 14 and see that. But the key here is that you kind of see this context. He's in this setting, in this dinner setting with the Pharisees and with the teachers of the law. And they're trying to pull one over him. And as Jesus does so well, he talks in parables. Not so clear to understand at times, but he's talking in these simple stories that are talking about spiritual truths and so we're going to look at this parable in great depth now that you kind of understand the context and we're going to look at three things we're going to look at this extraordinary invitation you can see maybe in your handout if you have it or a bulletin we're going to look at apathetic responses and then we're also going to look at a compelling mission a compelling mission Well, let's go ahead and look at verse 16. It's up here for us. Two things that we can note about this. And I'll go ahead and read it once more now that we kind of understand the context. So, but he said to him, Jesus saying to this Pharisee, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at that time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. Now, one thing we can note about this is an invitation had already been sent. This is a reminder. We do that, right? Someone's getting graduated. Somebody's going to have a wedding. You're going to send a save the date in some form or fashion. So they, so so they all knew this whole this whole um, dinner guest list. They all knew that this banquet was going to be taking place. So this is the RSVP reminder. Now that we know the details, now that we know the time, we're going to be. I'm going to send out my servant and say, "Hey, come now. Everything is ready. Are you coming?" Well, another thing we can look at here is that this is this banquet. It says that it is a great banquet. This just isn't any other banquet. This is a great banquet where many, many people are going to be invited. So this tells of the generosity of this of this host. He's gone through all kinds of plans, provisions, and now he's ready to invite the people. So let's go to the next verse and see what it says. They all alike. Began to make excuses. They all. Okay. So we're going to look at three excuses. But they all said no. Can you think about that for a moment? You're excited to get married. You're excited for some sort of celebration. And you send out these invitations. And you sent out the save the date. And one by one they come back and say, oh, sorry we can't make it. And you start thinking about that. You're like, no, I, I was really hoping that family would come over. Oh, okay. One by one. No, I'm sorry. I can't make that. No. And so we'll see his, the host's response in a minute. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excuse. This field can be representative of our Possessions. You know, a lot of time, the things that we acquire, require a lot of maintenance. And this guy said, you know, knew about that, but I go check on this new purchase. And we go look at it. And you know what? We all have kind of those new purchases that kind of take over a little bit. Um, and that's what he has. He has this new possession. The next one we can look at. And notice that I have bought five yoke of oxen. And I'm going to go examine them. Well, typically we make some sort of purchase. We don't just flippantly make it. We go and examine it. So this guy's really giving an excuse. I'm going to go to examine them, even though I've already purchased them and probably examined them before. Maybe make sure that there's nothing wrong with them after the purchase. But here's the thing. The more we acquire, these can be likened to kind of our, our business investments, our financial investments. Maybe for some of us, the word work comes to mind. That my ultimate pursuit in this life, man, you can take those possessions, but my work, boy, it gives me a prestige, gives me power. And you see, I need to go tend to these new oxen because can you imagine how much work can be done? Maybe how much money can be made? So that is the second excuse. And the third one, and another said, I've married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Well, you know, you can look at it a couple ways, but here's how I would look at it. These are friends. And he most likely went to this wedding and he was hoping that this couple, now that they're married, uh, would, would come over to this banquet that he's, that he's been wanting to throw. Well, a lot of times what happens is, if we can look at this as illustrative of things in our life, is quite honestly, our family, we can be so focused on our family that we... Cease to continue relationships with those outside the home Sometimes with a a, a newly married couple They get all excited And sometimes they leave their single friends behind Not always But this is just illustrative of how sometimes relationships Can be so exciting and new That we kind of stop looking outside the family Maybe for some of us That we are so focused on our family sometimes That we don't look outside Maybe into God's family Or into the world Which we'll see here in a minute And so regardless of how you characterize these three excuses or these three apathetic responses, we can say that they're all personal preoccupations. And here's the deal. I'm not coming down on you. I'm with you. We all have preoccupations, these personal preoccupations that distract us in life from what's really important, but they've led to a sense of apathy. Apathy is just a disinterest or a lack of interest to, to attend, in this case, this this wet, this um, this banquet invite. And so these apathetic responses have left this guest or this host with no one coming. So let's look at how he responded. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house came and became angry. You know, he wasn't. Oh, that's OK. No big deal. That's OK. You couldn't come. I told you six months ago. Um, but really think about that. Um, if you were to kind of put yourself in the shoes of this, this banquet host, no one could come. Maybe questioning the relationship that he thought he had, um, but this is where we are now. So he has a servant. He tells a servant, no one's coming. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have you go out. I don't want you to go out quickly. The food has been prepared. The banquet is coming. And I'm going to send you out into the streets and into the lanes. So these streets and these lanes, when you kind of boil it down, these are kind of in the town where he was. So go out to the streets, go out to the public, go out to the lanes. The lanes are kind of those side streets where the lower class feel a little more comfortable just to kind of nestle down into. But here's who I want you to bring me. I want you to bring to me the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. I want you to bring me the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. When you go out. Hey, you need some food? Hey, you, you, physical needs, right? You need some food? Um, you need a place to stay? You need relationship? Come on. Okay? So he does that, and he goes back, and we can see in the next in the next verse what it is. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done. Still there is room. Again, it points back to how good this banquet host is. This is a huge banquet. There's still room. So he says... Okay, I want you to go out now to the highways into the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. So a couple things here. I want you to go out to the highways. Okay, I want you to go out into the roads and the ways that that leave this city and that connect with other places. I want you to call all people. I want you to go to the hedges and the fences, and I, I want you to look around them, and I want you to find folks. Want to come because I want this house to be filled. This invitation doesn't, just wasn't for the friends, just wasn't now for for those social, uh, socially maybe who were in touch with their need. But I'm extending to all people, and so that's what he does. But he also talks about I don't want you to just say, "Hey, why don't you come to this thing?" I want you to compel them. Now, there's a Greek word for this, and I've tried to say it a thousand times, and I thought. I'm to, you'll be less impressed with me if I try to say this Greek word. And the truth is, it doesn't matter. But this word for compel means this, to urge to come. Okay? So we know English. This word compel means, I want you to, to urge them to come. I want you to necessitate. Like, this isn't something that, yeah, give or take. No, you, you need to come to this. Necessitate. I want you to be an earnest entreatment. Entreat them to come. Because this banquet, you you need to be there. You really need to be there. So, the servant does that. He goes out in the highways and the hedges and compels people to come in. That my house, the host says, may be full. Well, he does that. And then Jesus ends his parable. Verse 24. It says, For I tell you, speaking to the Pharisees and the teachers of the law these experts the law of Moses, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. The parable's over. What happened? What does it mean? Well, let's first start with what it might mean, what it does mean. See, did we lose? Okay, maybe... One second. So what does it mean to... What does it mean to the guests? Well, again, keep in mind the audience. Let's go back to verse 15, where one of the Pharisees hearing these things says, Blessed is everyone who will eat in the kingdom. Eat bread in the kingdom. Isaiah, he's thinking about Isaiah 25, 6 through 8. Isaiah 20, uh, Isaiah 26 through 8 is a picture where the Lord of hosts declares that my banquet will be on this mountain. My banquet will be on this mountain and we'll eat great food and we'll drink choice wine. And he says, I'm going to call all my people to this banquet. He's not calling just all people. I'm calling my people to this banquet. And here's what they know. So then he responds, well, blessed is the man who is going to get to eat bread in the banquet. Because this banquet ushers in the reign of the Messiah. The Savior of Israel. The Savior for the world. And they were looking forward to that time. But the problem was, but the problem was, is that they were so preoccupied with what they thought that Messiah would look like, that they missed it. They thought, they thought that the Messiah would come and bring the kingdom rule there on the earth, while they were there. But they missed it. I think Jesus is telling this parable to let them know that He is the servant whom the Lord has sent. A banquet was being prepared, the Son was sent, and the kingdom was near. Let me say that again. I think Jesus is saying that you've been invited, but you are apathetic with your personal preoccupations. Your interests are on yourself, not God. And the only sobering conclusion that we can make is actually verse 24 that we saw here. That they have missed the opportunity to respond to the banquet. Well, how are we to respond? When we look at that we have been given this extraordinary invitation, we've been given... um, we, we when we kind of look at our, our natural responses and ultimately this compelling mission. Well the first thing is is we have been given an extraordinary invitation through Jesus. Um if you're a believer here you can and we look about we look at the invitation that has been given to us. Jesus in this parable said come for the banquet is now ready. How can he say that? Well here's the thing how do you get entrance into that banquet? Well to get entrance into the banquet you have to realize who is the one who ultimately can get me there. And in this case, it was the servant who was inviting them into the banquet. And so, if you have placed your faith in Christ, then you can have absolute assurance that you will be with Jesus in this millennial kingdom uh, and ultimately into the future. Secondly, we have to kind of look at those things in our life which creates uh, senses of apathy. We all have these personal preoccupations in life. We just do. I mean, it's natural. We can't say, oh blame other folks for what's going on. We have those pleasures, those possessions, those things that just distract us. You know, today just being maybe a day for us to kind of get our sights back on God. We've trusted in this invitation, but Lord, I need to get back focused on you. And the last thing, how does this really relate to us is it really compels us to live on mission. When we look at that there's going to be a banquet one day, and ultimately entrance in that banquet is a relationship with God based on the blood of His Son, who we've trusted in. But if other people don't know it, we need to extend that invite. In fact, in this case, the host is compelling the servant to go. And in John 17, 17, it says this, Jesus praying to the Father for disciples. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. He said, set them apart. Make them holy with the word. But don't stop there. Verse 18. As you have sent me... So I send them out into the world. If you're a disciple of Christ, God has given you a compelling mission to reach the world with the gospel. And so that when we go back to growing deep and reaching out, we want to be a church that is also noted for reaching out. So what are some reasons why we don't reach out? Well, we don't sometimes know how to share our faith, if we're honest. Um, a lot of us, we're probably well-intentioned, well-meaning, but we've never taken time to do it. And so I remember going into seminary. And my first class in seminary, we—that was one of the first classes—is how do you share your faith? It's pretty normal for people not to know. And so, as a church, we want to be help equipping people. It's very simple, um, but to help equip people to do that. Secondly, we fear the rejection of others. We do. It may be a close family, uh, family member, friend. I mean, if I extended this invitation. What are they going to think of me? What would they really think of me? Maybe a coworker, but Someone I have a relationship with. If I ever got to the place of saying, you know, here are some words of hope. I'm with you. Now, when people go on mission trips, many times when you go on the mission trip... You get over and you you go into this other culture or a different setting and you're on fire for Jesus. You're sharing about God, you're doing things that you know make Him super happy because you're loving on people and then you come back here and you think, Why don't I do that here? Simply put, we don't do it here because we're concerned on how people closest to us would respond to us. Next, we lead busy lives. We all lead busy lives, a busy summer. And sometimes it just it's, it's the ap- it's a natural apathy of life that just says, wow, man, I wish I could spend some time with you right now, but I go do this. It's just not a priority for us. Okay, I'm not asking you to change your life 180 degrees. I'm asking us to live lives with more intention focused on reaching others with the gospel. And then the next, we rely on sent missionaries. Isn't that true? Like we have missionaries here and we're excited. They're over there. So let's take a look at those folks here 's a slide of them, so here are our missionaries here from fellowship. you see over in India to the right with uh, Pastor Serebos, we have Camille Beckham, who actually is all over the globe, but right now she 's focused on a project in Kenya to take the gospel to the deaf. We prayed for the hunts this morning, connecting with marriages and other ministries there in Nairobi, Kenya, and you might see a lot of kind of kind of nestled in in this area, but the truth is with um, With the Murrays up in Plano, a lot of uh, Craig's ministry is down in South America. So there's a lot of ministry mobilization going on. We partner with Care We partner with Missions Waco. We want to do more. In fact, we have three families um, in this congregation that by this time next year will be in three parts of East Asia. It's pretty powerful. But when I say we rely on missionaries, here's what I mean. That's actually a good thing. We want to support them. But it doesn't take the place of your invite. What happens if all of a sudden I take all your faces and I put them on a map? You are the one God is compelling to give the mission to, to your coworker, to your family member, to your neighbor. We want, we, we want to invite them into the kingdom, to respond to the gospel, if we, in fact, are trusting in it and believe in it. So I'm going to give you some ideas here. That we might, first we might be, our motive might be compassion for others compels us to do so. Compassion for others compels us to do so. Why? Because if I really know the love I have and the hope I have, and I know the hope they don't have, I really want them to have that hope. Okay? But sometimes in our efforts, they've just gone south. And so I want to give you a couple of tips. Number one, reach out relationally. I know sometimes um, tracks and other stuff can be helpful i mean there's all anytime god's word is present it can be helpful but we don't want to drop a track and run i want to engage i want them to care about them that i love them i want to spend some time with them because it's in the relationship building that they begin to trust you that's whenever their heart softens and they care about me and who, why do they have this hope i don't have that hope so let's reach out relationally next let's meet some tangible needs You know, there are all these needs around us. And sometimes we just don't slow down just to meet the needs. Isn't it interesting that that first uh, invite extension went out to the poor, the needy, or the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame? It went out to them. They're going to respond because I need that physical need to be met. But let's not end there. Let's be people who reach out, loving people, meeting needs, because it really does, again, build relationships And gives us a platform for sharing this hope that we have. And here's the deal. Once you build a relationship, you want them to know. Next, share your testimony. You know, if you've trusted in Christ, you actually have a very unique testimony. That at some point in your life, you've trusted in what God, in in God's eternal plan for you. You've trusted in the gospel. And you went from darkness to light like that. I was sixteen. Some of you don't have a story, and that's okay. You don't have like this this kind of Paul on the road to Damascus story, and that's okay, but we all have a story of God's grace, of God's mercy, of his sufficiency, and of the abundant life that he's called us into. Talk about that. You guys don't want to know the Ryan at sixteen, living in absolute darkness. But God's been so gracious as I trusted in him that one night, he's changed my life forever. Um, and I want that for other people who don't know Him. My compassion compels me to do so. And then next, offer words of hope. Back to the Gospel, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. Okay, but, and then Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. Basically, separation eternally. That's what we've earned. The wages of sin is death. Okay, And so what we want people to know is Hey, God loves you He actually sent somebody for you But because we've all sinned We have been separated and we don't have this hope And then Romans 5, 8 That while we're still yet sinners Christ died for us While Ryan was still a sinner Christ died for him It was through that payment He took on what I should have experienced So that I would have life We sang about it earlier And then lastly, Romans ten nine and 10 That if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You have responded yes to the invite to the banquet. And you will know you will be with your Savior, your God, forever in this eternal kingdom that's coming. Those are the words of hope we have to offer. And then lastly, extend the invitation. Simply extend the invitation. The the fear is they're going to say no. My fear is that we never extend the invitation. The fear is, is that they're going to say no, and here's the deal. It's not our responsibility to save them. It's our responsibility to extend the invitation. We will trust God to do his work. But we want to build these relationships, meet tangible needs, share our testimony, offer these words of hope, and extend the invitation. Benefits to reaching out. First one, when we do this, we have a greater awareness for the power of God in others. Have you lost hope on the power of God in others? I know some days I do. Again, I kind of get stuck in a rut. But when you start doing this, you start to see what he can actually do in and through you for the sake of others, for his kingdom. It's powerful. Next, a greater appreciation for the grace of God in you. When you see what he can do for for others, it takes you back to that time where you desperately needed him. And maybe you need him this morning. But it takes you back to that time where you desperately needed him. Or, and it may not just in salvation, but just kind of along the way. God, I need you, and he shows up. I need you, and he shows up. A greater appreciation for this grace of God in you. A greater hope for the future at the banqueting table. There will be a day that's coming, and Isaiah 25 says it. There will be a day where there will be a great feast and a great, a great banquet, and we will all be together those who've been trusted in Christ. When you go to the doctor and they give you a diagnosis that you never thought you would hear, you will have a greater hope for this banquet. Does that make sense? Because I know what that's like. To stop putting all my efforts into this life. But to know there is coming a day where I will be absent from the body and present with the Lord. And so God is good, Right? And so greater hope for the future at the banqueting table. And then lastly, there'll be a greater purpose on earth. We can have a greater purpose on earth inviting others to join you. No matter what you do, God has uniquely gifted you to do that. But he's gifted you to do that so that you can be a part of his kingdom work. It's amazing when you start looking at people as people and having compassion for them the way Jesus had compassion. As he looked out over the people and said they're like sheep without a shepherd. So when you walk into your places of business, when you walk around your neighborhood, wherever you go, if we believe this, we will be people who not only grow deep, but people who want to reach out. We want to share what God has done in us. We want to meet that need. But I want to tell you so much more. And so we will have a greater purpose on earth as we invite others to join us. And so I'm going to end with this story. I thank you for my notes that have been everywhere. So praise God for whatever comes out. Um, but here's the thing: uh, in Fox News today, there was someone named uh, there was, a, was a, a lady named Sarah Cummins. So every morning I wake up, I kind of look the Fox News just to see, Lord, what's going on today, and what can I pray about? Well, it said this: Sarah Cummins, um, she ended her um, she called off her wedding. This morning, she called off her wedding. How much was the wedding? Buckle up, Dad's $30,000. Uh, she called off her wedding. It doesn't say why. But she had arranged it in Indiana at the Ritz Carl. So, sounds ritzy, right? 170 people played at dinner. 170. So, what are we going to do? We're going to invite all of our friends. And no, this is not a celebratory occasion for, for uh, Sarah. And so she got this idea. Still heartbroken. And she doesn't go into what's going on. But she said, I'm going to bring a greater purpose to this circumstance. I'm going to bring a greater purpose. And I'm going to call the homeless shelters all throughout the city until every seat is full. And local businesses extended them dresses. And they sit in them suits so that they could experience that. And y'all, that is a picture that is a picture of what we've been given, is that we've been given the opportunity to compel other people who are spiritually poor, because before you trusted Christ, you too were spiritually poor, just like me, to compel them. And so if she wanted to live with a greater purpose. We have an opportunity to live with a greater purpose. God has not called us back to our personal preoccupations, but with this marvelous, amazing life of growing deep and reaching out with words of hope. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, I thank you just for who you are in my life. Lord, thank you for your work on the cross for each one of us. And Lord, if there is someone here today that has never accepted the invitation to be with you for an eternity, I pray today would be the day. Lord, that they would turn away from self and sin and focus on their Savior might acknowledge that they've sinned, but they are going, God, that you would lead them to trusting in you as their God for the forgiveness of sins. And Lord, if that is them today, I pray that they would tell someone this new life, this rebirth in them, uh what would happen. Lord, I pray for all of us that we would be compelled to live out the gospel, having received this extraordinary invitation. But I pray today as we head out that we would be compelled to live on mission for you in relationship with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.